Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 104 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. And you. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you read Exile, book two in the Dritzdil Orden series, Prologue through chapter five, before listening to this episode. That way, you can follow along with our conversation. So, we're starting a new book. Uh, we're, or part two, book two. In book the, crack party. <laughs> in the Dritz de Warden series. Um, not a butt crack party. That's not what, I wasn't even, no matter what you said, it was awful. Like, it, <laughs> book crack party isn't a, like, what? Everyone, you're cracking open a new book. I've never heard that expression. You've never heard that? I've, I've heard cracking open a, a cracking a spine, cracking a book, know. cracking into a book, cracking yeah. Yeah, I've never heard it called a book crack party. Like that's oh, yeah. not a thing. Oh, that's totally a thing. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. If it's a thing, it has nothing to do with cracking the spine. Well, it's a bit's a thing now. Bits a thing now. <laughs> it's a thing now. Well, but it's a welcome to the book crack party thing now. God, I wish I had something to eat more than. Okay. Um. You could, you could get a mouthful of book crack. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Sometimes I just amuse myself. Other times I also amuse myself. Do you have Do you have any housekeeping? Housekeeping? No, I have no housekeeping. All right. Well, I also don't have any housekeeping. We should talk about this um, book then. Let's get into talking about this book, Exile, Book Two in the Dritzdil Warden series. All right. Well, let's get started with the edition. Edition, Rob. What edition do you have? Of Exile, book two in the Dritz Warden series. I'm reading Exile, Legend of Dritz, book two uh, that I got from my library app that sent nice. uh, directly to my Kindle where I can read it digitally and take highlighting notes without destroying the book. And I've saved so many trees and I'm a better person. All right. Um, what about you, tree killer? <laughs> Um, you know, the thing is like my greenhouse, like my, my green footprint, on this, footprint? my car, my car, it's, it's done. It doesn't go anymore. Mm-hmm. This it's it's over whatever it was done. It, and you know what? It was used primarily <laughs> renewable resources. Like trees can grow back. Um, you know what we, the, the energy that was burned to power your device, mm-hmm. not coming back. Um, energy can't be destroyed, Doug. Right. But like fuel sources can I should probably turn my Kindle off. <laughs> um, Just sitting there glowing at me. Okay, I'm reading the. Uh, I don't even know how to describe this. It's the it's the Wizards of the Coast 2006 printing. Uh, I, I think it must be a. It's got to be a reprint because this was originally printed in 1990. Right, um, and it's calling itself book two, right? It says originally published as book two in the Dark Elf trilogy in December 1990. Uh, this is book two in the Dritz, the Legend of Dritz. Uh, right, that whole Legend of Dritz thing means it's a reprint. Right, and it's a, uh, but it it does say that this is the this edition first printing March two thousand six, and I don't know if it matters. I thought my my homeland copy didn't have this. My copy has the Wizards of the Coast logo on the on the spine. I find that, that your homeland did. I know. I thought there was something that was different about them. Sometimes. Anyway. I may have been just thinking of that Forgotten Realm swoosh, so maybe I'm wrong. Well, my, my, this one and the next two all look the same on the spine, but I think, I think, oh, Homeland's right over there. Hold on. Like, why doesn't he just go get it? No, it's all the same. Um, right. but I also, I got my book from our local used bookstore, Tidal Wave, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention it again. The Tidal Wave does this great thing where they put the sticker on the back and they tell you exactly when they picked up the book from uh, the public. And my book was picked up by them on September 4th, 2013. So, oh boy, is it about time I read it. Got that good book smell again? No, it smells like an old book. 
<laughs> That's the good um, smell. Mine actually, I'm actually like really disappointed in my copy because there's a there's a one spot where it's been loved well enough to where the spines cracked and I can see like on page 146, I can I, the binding is is falling apart. So I uh, once we finish it, I may just uh, sell it back to the bookstore. And be oh, like, I think you should. Eh, you guys take it. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we talk about the cover? You want to talk about the cover? We can talk about the cover. I only have what a digital ta- cover. But uh, what's what's your digital cover look like? Uh, Jits is fighting some fun-sized Cthulhu's. That's that's definitely the cover. Is that? Uh, I'm guessing though that's from Bobby's sometimes half-assed description. I'm guessing that's the 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 Yaklals, the priests of no. Loth. No. No. Oh, it's okay. Because when I was isn't there's there's a character they summon in this in these chapters. That I thought yeah, was the, a, the Yaklal. That was a Yaklal. And yeah, I thought they were described as having long faces and 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 what I was I would I guess I was making it fit. It, it seemed like it was tentacly and but that's not it. No, okay, Yaklal are waxy and uh, and drippy. Yeah. So but you know what these are. Yeah. Okay, and they're not like Yaklal. So I'll I'll wait. Then I'll wait. Okay. Cool. Well, technically you've already encountered these creatures. Before. Oh, is that a mind flare? Yes, these uh, are mind flares. Oh, this did come up before. Now I'm thinking about it. Okay, this, this is not baby Cthulhu's. Not really. I mean, they're they're squid face people. No, we've talked about. It. You said they were more like Ood, though. With the whole they look a lot more like Ood. And, yeah, it's, yeah. Fine. it's fine. It's fine. Okay, well then, uh, I guess that brings us to the map. Well, do you have the back cover? Oh shit, no. Are there secrets? Very interesting. To not have the back cover. Man. I can't believe I'm all over this book crack and I didn't even see the back side. So on the front, it definitely looks like Drist is levitating and standing up ready to fight. And on the Which seems like a new feature. Did they talk about levitation in the last book? Because it seems like suddenly R2 can fly or the Daleks can have jetpacks. No, they talk about it in the first they do. book. Okay. Yeah, it's, like it's... Everyone's levitating now and it seemed like... Like he, maybe they could have done it before. I don't remember it being mentioned. So like, if I didn't know about drow elves, uh, it's like, oh, by the way, look at this thing that we're working into every goddamn chapter now. No, remember when uh, Dritz was like ten years old and he had to clean, he had to polish the statues, and he his sister uh helped teach him to levitate, and he was like pretty adept at it, and within the first day was like doing it a bunch to help to clean all the statues. Uh uh-huh. And then he she was like. Well, he could be a wizard, and then like later, I think, his... I, I, think I might have glossed over that a little bit. And then later, Zach Nafine was like two hands, and then everyone was like, "He's supposed to be a wizard," and he was like two hands, and they were like, "Fine, he can go to the swords place." But the back pretty cover... adroit summary. Tell me about back, this back cover, cover of of my of my copy. It's all one image. You understand? It's a wrap around, and it looks. It's basically just more like stalactites and stalagmites in a cavern lit by green light. But there's uh, a, just a point of order. It's a stalactite, not a stalactite. But there's, but there's a there's a, a little a figure on mine hidden in the darkness. Oh, that sort of uh, suggests an impending combat. And uh, I don't know if you can see this. So it's another elf, right? It's, is it a negadritzt? It may be. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely another drow. Because it looks like Dritz. Is there a panther by his side? No. Okay. But there are definitely two scimitars. No, I don't think so. I think there's two swords. Oh, but a scimitar is a sword. A scimitar is a curved blade sword. These look oh. like straight blade swords. Okay. Okay. So you think it's Denon, or is it someone we have not yet met? It. I mean, at this point, in the, I mean, I, I think that... I, I, I think by the, by the end of chapter five, I have an idea of who I think it is. Oh, is it that one guy? Is, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. All right. Well, then the map. Okay, the map. The map, the Illithid Cavern. Yep. Uh, the whole thing to me looks like a dude slumped in a chair. The whole thing looks like a dude slumped in a chair. Yeah, like the if you if you look at it as like a silhouette. If you oh, okay. Exclude all the maps and the details. Uh, with little with a little crown, maybe. Uh, but also that map 
is further suggestive to me that you are again correct and he is not getting out in this book. <laughs> ah, that's correct. He's definitely staying right where he is. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's all I have for preambles. That brings us to... Prelude. All right. Summary. This short story described Dritzt and Guinevere hunting and killing a basilisk. It's brief. It establishes that they're living together off-grid and away from the troubles of Menzo Berenzan. Also, Rob, a basilisk in D&D isn't like a basilisk in Harry Potter. In D&D, it's much more like a big iguana with eight legs. Four legs on each side. First note, what's up with the superscript T with the cross blades underneath it? Every chapter opens up. The first letter is superscript with little blades. That's like the symbol of Dritzt. I guess. It's in the corner of every page of my book. Of all the corners. It's right up there. Eh. But I guess that's something you might miss in the uh, digital version. Also, there's all these little blades here when they separate areas. Like little... Huh. I don't think I've got that. Let me double check yeah. on that one. Because that seems like something they could add. I can understand them not having the uh, the corner ones. Nope. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And then, so my next question is, why do second books always have basilisks? <laughs> um, I don't know, but I have a feeling this one's not going to be as big of a deal. No. No, I definitely think uh, think it's not. Um, or you could argue uh, J.K. Rowling ripped off Exile. <laughs> it was I like, could argue, second books must that. have a basilisk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have more sort? Do you have more notes? Nope. Okay, then we will go to mine. Uh, it opened with an action scene, uh, which I'm assuming it's Dritzt because they're they're just calling him the hunter at this point. Um, he out legalist legalist in running up the basilisk. I don't remember if legalist fighting the elephant in the book is described that way, but that book is pretty dense. Light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I, they could have. Tolkien could have written it and I just been like snoozed through it but uh, this is certainly before the movie so points in the book's favor um, I also liked some of the descriptions like broken pile of gore I enjoyed that um, I was annoyed that Dritz put his swords away without cleaning them <laughs> not cool dude <laughs> you've had training man come on um, oh and the, so there was a there was a there was a there was a thing here I want uh, maybe you could help me understand it he wrote, and I didn't get an exact quote, but the panther's eyes judged him even if the panther did not. And I, I feel like this comes up later, but that's still kind of through. I, I still don't quite understand what they're trying to convey. Maybe it's the difference between, like, you can, like, acknowledge and observe something without, like, casting a emotional, like, decision about it. Or that he's like reading his own judgment, like he's judging himself and putting Maybe. it on. Okay, it, it could it also just confusing. be weird writing. It was, it was, it felt like weird writing. Like, and I feel like I've gotten a lot of that from this book. That Bobby's trying to say something and he's not necessarily conveying it. He thinks he is, and it's not getting through to me whether that's him or whether it's me. There's a disconnect, but I feel him trying to say something. Which is more than I got from the first book. So that's something. Yeah. Okay. That's it for the prelude. And that brings us to... Part one. The Hunter. Summary. Emo Dritz talks about how lonely and depressed he is in the prison <laughs> of solitude he made for himself. Oh, I don't like these weird future Dritz interludes, I think. They remind me of the candid interviews from The Office. Like, future Dritz is mugging at to the camera. You don't like that? No, I don't like but that. But you like The Office, and that's all The Office is. The Office is a lot more than that, but... <laughs> Not from what um, I've seen. I haven't seen The Office. Well, there you go. No, I don't... Uh, it, I don't know. Maybe it's that, like... I want to say, oh, well, it, it tells me too much about the future. Obviously, dr nothing bad ever happens to Dritz because he's always around to give these pithy reflections which I kind of know considering that he's been in all these books, but there's another element of it that feels like that kind of takes away from the story. Like I kind of, that, I don't know without the, the risk of something bad happening to him, it, it kind of, 
it just loses some appeal. And I'm not, this is not something new. Like I knew that I had at least four books about this character. I know that, but he still tragedy still befalls him in the first book. And, and, and perhaps in this book also, but it just seems like you're forecasting. Nothing bad ever happens to my character. Nothing fatal ever happens to my character or close to it. Maybe no, no real stakes. Well, if that's the realest stake you can get, yeah, that stakes off the table. So, and they bug me, and they they feel like they take me out of the 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 now, and I don't like either of those elements. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the hunter? Yeah. Um. Mm, uh, the writing is fine here, but so many of these passages are highlit by misunderstood Dritz fans. Hmm. Who, who consider just a standing for themselves and is just seeing all those people are like, oh, yeah, this specific passage really means a lot to me. And it's, uh, knock it off. It, how it, many, it, just, it just, what? How many notebooks in high school or middle school do you think have those words scribbled on them? Right, right. Exactly. With like those sharp S's and Z's name or Z's because they're backwards. But it's the same yeah. thing. Um... And then I realized that these books are basically like the vampire list stat. Uh, the way the vampire list stat is to the, uh, the prequel to interview and how it's just kind of like a character study in that sense. So it makes me think that uh, Crystal Shard's going to be interview with the vampire. I think that's Stuart serious. So actually an, an actual adventure. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, as opposed to like a lot more like character study is a pretty good example because that's in retrospect, after reading this book, that's clearly what the first book is. The first book is so much just preamble and setting up the world that you have to acknowledge this character comes from and you have to understand it so well before you can really see what this character does. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else in that. What do you have? Nothing else. That brings us to... Chapter 1, Anniversary Present. Summary. It's been ten years since Dritz abandoned House de Worden. In that time, House Hunet waged silent war against House de Worden. This chapter details the final battle in that conflict, wherein the deciding factor in the contest were drow mercenaries who began the battle on the side of House Hunet, but turned against them and helped Matron Malice achieve victory. A bittersweet victory at that, for after the battle's end, the matron mother of House de Worden was called before Matron Banri. I don't know how to say that name, so I'm guessing. Sure. Expecting to hear praise and a plan for House Hunet's extermination, Matron Malice is surprised to find herself in an audience with Matron Sinfei, the head of House Hunet. Matron Barney <laughs> informs the two women I hate that you. <laughs> That the bloody war between their houses has ended, and House Hunet is no more, but its members, including Matron Sinfei, are to be absorbed into House Dorden's ranks. Matron Malice furiously agrees and leaves the chamber with a new mission from Matron Barney. <laughs> Sacrifice dritzed to Lolth. I feel like my summaries sometimes read like the Star Wars crawl. I think they do, and I think that's a good thing. Because honestly, that's what I would have preferred for this yeah. chapter. Uh, I actually have a note in this chapter, so oh, well, let me do mine do first because mine's the like basically based on the first sentence of this chapter. Literally exclaimed, "Oh fuck!" when I saw Matron Malice in the first chapter or in the first sentence. Oh really? I was just yeah. like, "God!" Because we had talked about how we didn't think we were going to see them for a while, and this book is just as much, if not more. The house doored and as it was last time. And so I saw that and I just, I wept a little. <laughs> I was surprised. I, I got to say, we had that conversation last episode and I was like, no, no Surely way. Not. And then it was like, yep, we're back. Cause you, you made the good point. Like, well, what, what was all that last book worth if we're not going to continue that story? And I guess the answer is it would have been worth nothing. So we're going to continue that story. <laughs> uh, what's your one note? Actually, I, my note's in the next chapter, so... Oh, okay. Um, well, then my only other note here is, Jesus, this is convoluted and dull. 
I don't know if I'd say it's dull. It wasn't as dull to me. It's a little dull, but here's it, the thing. That, here's the part okay, that I ahead. found interesting. Sure. The last book was very clear about how strong House Jordan was and how strong House Hanette was and how they were going after each other. Okay. And I really like the way he's conveyed to me through these couple of sentences, couple of pages that in the last decade, which by drow standards is not that much time. Sure. They have, uh, whittled away severely against each other's numbers and strength. And while, you know, house Hunnett lost two wizards before this conflict really began, house Jordan also lost, lost two weapons masters. So they both start out at a disadvantage, albeit a different disadvantage. And neither one can seem to get the upper hand on the other. And then the way that they both look to get the upper hand is to hire these mercenaries who we had not heard about before. The, the concept of drow mercenaries hadn't really existed before this moment. And uh, they turn out to be, in the weakened state of both houses, the deciding factor. Mm -hmm. And I found that really interesting because I feel like it informs a lot about like, I, oh, this is like, my thought was, this is great. I don't want to hear about the 10 fucking years that at every battle, everything that happened. I'm so glad I just have to hear it's been 10 years and shit's not very good. Both houses are pretty weak. And the thing that they're going to, the trump card each of them knows that they're going to use is mercenaries. Right. And whoever can pay the most wins. And the same um, mercenaries. And yeah, exactly. They're, they're um, totally getting the um, Yojimbo treatment. Right, and that that feels like it's going to be a lot, and like Je Jezebel or whatever the fucking um, the mercenary dude's Jar name is. Jarl Axel. Jarl Axel, like that. Yeah. It's, there's two L's. I know that. Uh, Jarl Axel. Jarl Axel. Uh, I have a feeling that he's going to be a big part of this book, um, and I'm glad. I'm glad they introduce him as sort of like a dark horse house, mm -hmm. although it's or the houseless, if you will. So like, I will. a Ronin. Um, yeah, so I kind of I'm like in that aspect, I feel like I'm actually they found like Bobby found a way to make this a like this continued uh, Game of Thrones light interesting by adding the you know this extra mercenary bit. So I agree with you, um, except the stuff that's not new and interesting is very boring. Right. And there's a, still a lot of it, a lot of that same posturing, a lot of that same snarling. It's, it's you know, quote unquote evil, but in the same way every time. And, and that just felt really dull to me. And, and I think I would have preferred a glorified Star Wars crawl mm. where they're like those 10 years. Here's an interesting thing. Let's have an aside. But I, I guess you could argue it kind of does that. But man, when it's. When it's not given those new things, it, it, it feels like more of the same and going on way too long. What I hear you saying in terms of the things that I can agree with that are more of the same and are bad mm -hmm. is the persistent aggression from female drow against male drow or almost anyone. I find that so tiresome at this point. I, I, I don't really have a problem with the female aggression against the males, but the aggression overall and how it's portrayed. That, I guess that's yes. what I mean. It's not, yes. it's not, it's never directed at females is the point. So I'm not, I'm not saying it is a, no, it is. Thing that... I feel like Matron Malice totally yells at Brizza or Birza. True, But like, but there's still this like level of like, like uh Razim or whatever his name is or risen. Uh, he's, he's a total useless thing. You can just smack him to the floor and make sure he doesn't get up. And it's like, it's not really the gender thing. I'm not trying to imply that that has okay. some more significance. I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. I just but identified it that the way aggression is done very generically. It, it is. It, yes. it is. And I only referred to it in sure, that way sure, because sure, it sure, seems sure. like it's so overwhelmingly towards the the males. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's just it's the same shit every time. It's like you said. It's like the grabbing by the lapels. It's the smack across the face and smack to the floor. It's the okay. I'm now I'm gonna hit you with the fucking snake headed whip. And it's like. Like, why would it's that thing we talked about earlier? Why would any person in this society stick around and be so reverent and be so willing to sacrifice themselves? I would actually, this just occurred to me. I wonder if he got a different editor because I'm guessing snake headed whips are a item in the books in the, in the Dungeons and Dragons mythos. Perhaps uh, I don't. I don't know. Well, I'm going to go off that and say because they never really explained what a snake headed whip was in the last book. And this book gave me a description 
Right, right. And I feel like a lot of those things, like, no, you should tell your audience what this thing is, not just rely on the fact they probably know about it. And I'm getting a lot more of that. So I feel like maybe that was pointed out in between books. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I'm looking ahead and I don't know if I can see where the editor is. I don't know if my the editor gets credited in my anywhere. The creditor? The Kerba editor. Yeah, I'm not well, seeing an editor. Maybe listed. it was just a note from his wife. I don't know, but clearly he took somebody's constructive criticism, and I appreciate it. So that brings us to... Chapter 2, Voices in the Dark. Summary. This chapter finds a lonely Dritz venturing out to retrieve his herd of Roth after they scattered in the Basilisk attack. He also makes an agreement with the new Mycoid King, concerning the land rights of their shared mossy cavern. Dritzt finds six or so of his herd and sends them home, but then he finds himself in the presence of the Dark Gnomes from the last book. Dritzt creeps around and watches the gnomes work, and he follows them back to their city, where he longs to be among the sentient people once again. But his better judgment gets the better of him, <laughs> and he sneaks off back home in a lonely stupor. Okay. So I really have just one note, and about it's about that ending. Uh, do you have any before that? I just have a note about uh, Gwen- Guinevere. Okay. Do you want? Yeah. What's your note about Guinevere? I. It just seems like if it was me and I was in Dritt's position and I had a magical cat totem thing that had limited time and I was super fucking lonely, uh, I would instantly start questing for someone to help make me make it permanent, or like try to find a way to make it so I didn't have to, like only be able to call him temporarily or something like I'm sure there's deep magics involved in the creation of it, but it just seems like either Dritz is making a fatal mistake by becoming so friendly with this cat mm-hmm. or like he should try to find a way to make it more permanent. But then I thought, well, is the figurine essentially immortal because it is a figurine? Like, does it get, is this like, let's say you're a ranger and you have a companion animal that gets super good at being a companion, but you're like, man, this animal can die and that would suck. And I can make an exchange to make my animal immortal by casting its existence into an astral plane and then creating a a tether, Mm -hmm. which I can use to call it back from the astral plane to for to help me fight in combat whenever i need it but it's limited time it can only happen at so many intervals uh but the animal doesn't die and when it would die it just goes back to this astral plane and heals up and i can call it again later i mean that's an interesting quandary yeah i i did i always thought uh gunweaver was mystical in nature not uh sent there to be preserved as a a, a way to keep her mortal but uh, yeah, I don't know if that's actually something in the book. No, I'm no, just I'm saying, just, like, but it just, I, it's, it's making me think about the. Um, he's definitely putting too much on her, and should find some kind of companionship. Uh, right. I, I don't know if if it would just be as easy as making her permanent. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could write a quest around that, though, to make that happen. Right. Well, I mean, it would be interesting for in a, a later book, maybe, for him to like. Like if I, I so like write that question, then him find out like no, of like, it, like this is all you get. Like if 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 you did somehow find a way to break this, she would become mortal. Right. She's a combat animal. She would die. It's like you only use her when you're fighting shit like basilisks. She would die, and then what would you be? So, be grateful that you're in you're an insanely long living elf. Like because this cat, how long is it gonna live if it wasn't a magic? Uh, totem like it would live what 30 years maybe yeah this way you can have it for your whole life because it, it will never die it also seems and it con- can't be killed confusing to me because she seemed way more affectionate in the last book and in this book he like tries to hug her and it's not just that she's being standoffish at that point they make a point of saying something to the effect of her not caring about the hug or wouldn't anyways and that seemed like there's a character shift yeah i don't know man i i think I, i'm hearing what you're saying and i think i saw it too but i thought it was more about like she had at that point she had noticed him starting to become like darker. Okay, like, starting to I, I, do I, I, more, that could like, be it. That could be it. Questionable things morally, because there's that whole like thing about her being a moral panther. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see because there was not enough data. Um, my only note here is I I found the ending of the chapter confusingly written, but I so I went back and tried to reread it, and it it seemed like what it was trying to be conveyed was, 
Dritz is just so lonely, but ultimately too scared to go around the actual people because he he hates himself too much and doesn't. Okay, and that, I I don't know, man. It's just something about Arya Salvatore's writing that I'm just like I'm not connecting with. Yeah, but it's easier this time. So either it's better, or I've changed, or we've just spent so much time together. It's like a buddy comedy. Yeah, you know. I guess spend 48 hours with him, and and then we'll be best friends. <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe that's maybe all another need. 40 hours. Well, I mean, you know, they say if if you can't find him in the first 48, he's gone. Is that what they say? Yeah, it's like that show, the first 48. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Remember the slap. Remember when we talked about the slap? I do remember that. I never we're so topical. We are. We're like we're on the fucking pulse. We're like we're like dritz, eyes closed, finding the pulse of a basilisk. We're so on it. We are. What are we? Look at us reading books from thirty years ago. We're on it. We are so on it. Books from thirty years ago reprinted fifteen years ago. Come on, this is like on hot. It. This is yeah. hot. <sighs> okay, um, do you have any more notes? Nope. That brings us to... Chapter 3, Snakes and Swords. Here comes the summary. The House Do-Urden Patrol chases and eventually catches up with Dritz, who combats his brother Dinan and his sister Brizza. The older siblings fail to compel Dritz to return with them to Menzo Baranzan and end up barely escaping with their lives. Brisa escapes with two fewer fingers. And five fewer snakeheads. That's true. Or six. Six, sorry. Uh, what did you think of that chapter? Uh, well, early on, because it was uh, it was taking a in-media res note, I was annoyed and said, at this point, I think we spent more time with the Matron's family than with Dritzt. Yeah. Uh, but it did get better. Um... I don't have any more notes, but there's more things to say. Uh, I was really excited when he cut off Briz's fingers. Yeah. I was really sad later when they were reattached with magic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, the stakes, man. Have him maul her and have that be a thing that sticks and have him known ahead of time that that meant something and you can't just fix that shit. Now shit's serious. Well, yes. But it also, it, 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 it there was consequences from it. Like, neither she or Dinan want to go back and find him because they're like, no, 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 no. No, no, I'm talking about the, the mentality Dritz would have had to have to cut off his her fingers and know that they were going to stay cut off. Oh. He was going to grow up in this culture where so, he knows that yeah. fingers can be magically reattached. It's like, it's like a slap, like a, uh, take that, I'm serious. I'll seriously be mean at something that can be healed in... I don't remember exactly, but were they reattached or were they regrown? I don't even know. But either way, she's got all of her fingers again. Because I kind of imagined it like that scene in Deadpool. That is, I I thought they said reattached. And I'm like, did someone grab them? But I feel like either way, yeah, they're like little. Because I I feel like it was mentioned that like they're weaker now. The ones that she has that are attached are are weaker. And that's why she can't be part of the group that goes out to try to hunt Dritz again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I'd like to note that I don't think we hear that her snake heads are regrown or reattached yet. So, I mean, there are consequences for hunting him, not sure. for his morality, but for like, you know, the people hunting him, there are consequences, but not stakes, not proper stakes. I'm just saying, cut off someone's fingers, keep them cut off. That's all that, that's all I got. Um, I thought this was a really exciting chapter to actually feel like, okay, I feel like things have changed. Like it's an interesting way of pointing or showing Dritz is uh, more dangerous, more animalistic. And that that transition away from society and that, that feral Dritz is he doesn't like it. Like he is really lonely. Like I feel like there's there he's built Bobby's building a arc that I actually am excited for and interested in because in so many ways where Dritz has to be a Mary Sue, at least he has to suffer with being lonely. Like if you look sure. at someone like Obi-Wan Kenobi, he walks into the the desert and, and you, I mean, we'll see when the Disney show comes out or whatever, but 
as of now, the history of that character has no reflections on him being anything but a stoic, uh, heroic, silent guardian uh, who just, ex- because he's such a monk, he just accepts his loneliness as part of what he has to do. It's a really good point, because a real Mary Sue would also be the belle of the ball, and everyone would like her and invite her to parties, and she'd be everyone's favorite. Yeah, Dritz, um, Dritz well, well, he's not having to confront being a, a bad, like... He, he's not yet had to fight anybody who could equal him in battle. Mm-hmm. He does have troubles. He does have emotional challenges that he has to get through. It's the whole Superman thing. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you can't make an interesting Superman story by just making him punch his problems away. You have to give him something else to do um, to make him a more, to make him a character anyone can relate to. Cause they can't relate to flying and being impervious to bullets. Right. So I yeah, did. I think, I think Bobby's doing a great job at that. No, and it was engaging and it was interesting. And I, I liked how quickly everyone appreciated the threat Dritz has become. Right. The posturing that I was expecting from all of the other, you know, the, 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 the all the arch violence we've been talking about wasn't there. It was like, nope, I'm out. Right. The, the, this is not going to happen. And everyone got to ex- express their, you know, incredulity because they are a society that is all about posturing. But Brizza and Dinan were just both, you know, right? No, we'll get fucked up. Yeah, and that was that was that was a fun that was a fun unexpected touch. Yep. That's it. Do you have, do you have any more? Else? Okay, then that brings us to chapter four: Flight from the Hunter. Summary. Tritz wrestles with his loneliness and impending pursuit of the House to Urden patrols. He sets out for the deep gnome city, and once he arrives, he submits himself to the gnomes as a willing prisoner in the hopes that his non-combative presentation will ensure him safe harbor. I don't really have any notes. I, I like where it went, and I'm curious to see where it goes, but this seemed kind of transitory chapter. Uh, this is my only note here is the one I kind of mentioned that it's this is where you kind of this chapter is really where you get that feeling of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm enjoying Dritz struggling with loneliness. Yeah, because like, he's essentially like they could. It stands to reason that there is a 95 percent chance they will kill me. I'm that fucking lonely that I will risk a 5 percent chance of living. Right. And that's interesting. That is that that, that, that kind of conveys how lonely he is. Like he was and talking other... to mushroom people who didn't want him around. Right. And the fucking mushroom people don't want you, man. You're 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 fucking lame. Well, is that the other line where he's like, "Oh, the former king who I guess I could consider a friend is now a statue, and also I don't care." Right. <laughs> and it's and like, when he oh. was a friend, it's like we ran into each other like once every three years. Right. And I was like, "Hey, you staying in your side of the cave?" Yep, me too. All right, later. That was his friendship. Right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Then that brings us to chapter five. Unholy ally. Summary. Matron Malice, now understanding Dritz can outfight the best warriors and clerics of her house, seeks counsel from a Yoklal and asks for the greatest gift Loth can bestow on a matron. The forging of a spirit warrior. Or whatever. <laughs> Apparently, Zach Nafin's spirit will return to his corpse after months of of applying salves to his body and a decade of being dead. Right. Then under instructions from Matron Malice, the Revenant will seek and destroy Dritz de Uden. Uh the only thing I left out of there that's more important to remember or to note is that the the ritual for the reanimation getting the gift of reanimation from the Yoklal who is the ma- who is the handmaiden of Loth is uh you have to sacrifice someone uh they 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 have this bait and switch uh where they present it as they're going to sacrifice uh risen is that his name i, I think so. so he's so un- insignificant that I, I he's significantly insignificant he's like mo on the simpsons it's just like <laughs> I guess what's he's the matter around. matron i can't do it sorry <laughs> we cut that out because that's horrible <laughs> fuck okay i've um, done it before okay um, but the, instead of sacrificing, when, when Matron Malice goes up with her curved blade to stab into the heart of, uh, of Risen, instead she, she, she does a twist and she stabs into the heart of Matron Sinfei, who is, had up to this point been masquerading as her, as Matron Malice's long lost daughter to, you know, keep the guys that, uh, House Hanet has been destroyed. 
uh, and that duplicity, that betrayal, that, uh, you know, twist, uh, really pleased Lolth, which is, I kind of like, like, I kind of like how shitty Lolth is (laughs) as a god. Like, I like how she's just like, I like whoever's the worst. If you're the worst, you're my favorite. There's a lot there. I, Sorry, were you done with that? Yep, go ahead. Um, Lolth, it, w- that's very, very uh, astute because they also comment how uh, Dritzt is so powerful for one reason, because he's beyond Lolth, which should be a clear signal to them that if they just left Lolth, they could go do their own thing. It wouldn't have to be beholden to her. I mean, this is really a give-and-take relationship, and, and Lolth is not all-powerful. She's only as powerful as the power they give her. And nope, they're just like, nope, we'll keep doing this. I'm like, okay, enjoy. Um, but maybe there's a better way. Uh, I, I really liked the killing of Shanae. I, I was not expecting it. That was a fun moment for me where I was like, oh, shit. I was expecting it. I wasn't expecting it this early. Yes. Yeah, well, because I mean, was... the Mind Flayer told her you'll know what to do when. Right. And so clearly, unless he was fucking with her, but I just I just assumed, again... There's going to be more and more pages of sniping and intrigue and how is this de facto House Hanette within House Dorden going to try to, you know, who's going to who's going to get to each other first? And then Matron took that shit out. And I was like, oh, OK, that's some game. That was Game of Thrones quality. I definitely expected a lot more intrigue between the two of them for most of the book. That was my anticipation before this chapter was, OK, a good portion of this book is going to be is uh sin Fei or whatever her fucking name is uh is she going to betray matron malice and kill matron malice and wouldn't that like wouldn't it be interesting to see the fall of house to warden from within mm-hmm. like 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 in all that shit that would make loth so happy um but would also be awful like like i can't tell what where i i have to say i don't really know where salvatore is going because is he going to go for these are the first three books that show us the fall of house to Orden. Like, is this how house to Orden goes the way of the other houses before it? Right. Um, and is this, and then once that's done, is that when Dritz decides to exit and go to the surface world? I don't know. I mean, it, I, it's, I think it's still possible, but it also feels like it didn't happen the way I thought it would. I, I feel like it would be kind of lame for it to go, for it to end up like Dritz kills everybody in his own house. Right. I, I, I would be really be disappointed right. with that. And also I got to say, I'm kind of disappointed in this whole like revenant arc with Zach Nafine, who it's I believe so is hardcore. The... He's going to have to fight his old former master and father. And the one person he had, you know, soft feelings for. Yeah, I guess it still seems it's, it's like, again, speaking of game of Thrones, it's like when, uh, you know, they resurrect the mountain and it's like, okay, yeah, but nobody liked the mountain true i was actually i I mean i started that whole thing sarcastically but but i i mean i i it it would make for a more compelling thing than the mountain who was just scary and now he's scarier but like that's the thing about the mountain that's so scary is he's so fucking scary no i understand i understand that but this is that this is that um tapping into that ancient you know vampire fear when it, when I know it was like your family member that you loved comes right. back and is now trying to kill you and consume you and, and contaminate right. you. Right. Yeah, that's that's true. It has it has more of that emotional like resonance. I just also feel like it, it. It. I guess my problem with it is I feel like it sets up such an obvious ending and I don't like that. I don't like feeling like I can see the ending from the beginning. You don't think there's going to be a, a Zach trying to fight through and like his personality coming through and trying to connect and anything you don't I care. Could, you don't care. Anything I could predict would make me feel like it's an it's option. And if, sure. yeah. And if, and if, if, if it's an option, I'm bored with it. Like, Fair. like, I can't, I can't see none of those options are options where I'd be like, Oh, well, that would surprise me. That sounds interesting. Okay. And in that way, it just feels like, Oh, so this is just a lot like I'm going to read a lot more of stuff that I find predictable, just like the last book that I think that is a fair concern. However, I will try to ameliorate that with the fact that this book has already surprised me like two or three times. It has in the first five chapters. So maybe he'll do something interesting with it. Yeah, but I mean, I also kind of expected him to find the gnomes from the last book like he did. I know. That's what I'm saying. I've ex- oh, oh, I see. Well, I the, mean, I mean, I expect him to be in the dark 
Now you do. Fuck you. <laughs> um. I expect them to have swords. Scimitars. Oh my god, you know what I mean. But my, my point is, I think that's who's on the back of the cover. I think that this drow uh, in the darkness, I think that's Zachnifying. Z- zombie Zach. Yeah, I think that's him hunting Dritz down. Gotcha. So, I I am curious to see how the Mind Flayers tie into it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's weird to put them on the cover if they're not going to tie into it. So, yeah, you know, uh, I felt like this was, uh, I, I kind of, I don't know, I'm... I'm still, I guess I'm kind of enjoying it. Like, I don't want to go too hard in one direction. Like, it's, I feel like I'm so grateful to be out of the first book that this book feel already feels like something different. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, you know, Dritz going to Hogwarts was, and all that other shit was so obnoxiously tedious to me. Um, it, even this far, it's like, okay, am I going to get that shit to pay off now? Is that what I'm experiencing? Is the payoff for all that investment in that in that tedium sure i guess that's a positive i do mean that as a positive i i I, I feel like i sound sarcastic oh i think you got it so my only other notes i've got a another math question oh shit and maybe it's just maybe this is just terminology thing did i write hold on did i write a note did i highlight it i thought i did near the end of the last chapter and so, for ten ten days, for seventy cycles of Narbandel, the daily time clock of Menzo Berenzan, all of House Jordan gathered in the Great Chapel. Ten ten days equals seventy cycles of Narbandel, but one cycle of Narbandel was supposed to be one day. So, is a ten day just their word for a seven day week? Or does it mean ten days? Because ten ten days is a hundred days. But 70 cycles of Narbandal is 70 days. Maybe you've come across the term 10-day before. Nope. I've come across none of these terms before except in this book. Um, I uh, don't no. have an answer for you. I think we're going to need a math jingle. Um, it, it would be dumb for a 10-day not to be 10 days. Yeah. You, you remember what I'm talking about, right? How Narbandal... Yeah, the, the, the I, I don't remember the cycle thing. I don't remember that. The being wizards, established. the wizards light it up, and then by the time it it fades, that's the end of the day. I thought, I thought it was a day. I didn't think it was a month or a week. Maybe it was a week. Shit, nah, see, now I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't get how ten ten days equals seventy cycles. I think, like Dritz, you should let go of time and remember that it doesn't matter how many scratches on the wall you have because you've forgotten some of them. So. Just move on. I don't think I'm ever going to be like Dritzed. Okay. Best case scenario, I'll be like Gunweaver. In what way? You call me into being every one-third of a 10-day to hang out. Gunweaver gets called in way faster than that. One-third of a 10-day? Gunweaver gets called in once Jeez. every day and a half. Right. And if, so you're, you're, But again, you're like equating 10 days to 7 days. No, I'm saying you need to let go of time. That's what I now, said. Right, because now time can be whatever the fuck we want. So if I say uh, one-third of a 10-day is how often uh, Gunweaver can be appearing, then that's what it is because it doesn't fucking matter because time is a flat circle and completely arbitrary, according to this book and you. Well, Expensive I mean, I think, drop. I, I think that the uh, – it's weird because you turn my position into m- me losing – but I don't think that's the case. I think that I, I, I no. Agree. See, what I did was Riley show you how silly your position was and why no, it does no, in no, fact no. matter. No, time is. I don't. I don't. I, okay, let me. I guess I'll rephrase. I'll. I'll own my statements. I'll use my I statements. I don't care about the time in this <laughs> book. Right. So since you don't care about the time and suggested that I do the same, time can be like anything our we hero, want it to be. Dritz. Sure. Sure. The time can be anything we want, and thus my that's statement. No, I don't think those are was the same correct. Thing. I, that's not the same thing. Not caring about Sexy. the time in the book isn't the same as saying, I'm going to reinvent time. I didn't that... reinvent time. I'm saying nothing fucking matters. It's all just words on a page. Who cares? Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think you're entirely missing my point. <laughs> <laughs> this time. You're, you're taking my point and turning into, I should only care about time and also define what it is, which is the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying, stop caring about the time. If and I stop just... caring about time, then time doesn't exist and doesn't matter. Oh, again, I think you missed the word. Don't stop caring about 
time, stop caring about the time. Right. <laughs> the time in the book. Yeah. That time doesn't really matter. But since I'm referencing fictional doesn't matter time, it can be whatever I want it to be. Yeah, see, this is where I'm going to really, like, put my money where my mouth is and say, okay, because I just, I just don't care. <laughs> uh... I think you have good uh, observations in these things. That's not what I mean when I say I don't care. I think that you're, you're picking up reasonable errors or confusing shit in these books or stuff that were like, and again, I, I have a lot of resentment for, towards the author based on those interviews I saw where he was maybe tongue in cheek saying that he doesn't care that the, that he's a confusing writer. That's true. I, 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 I forgot about that. So, and so it's just like, I, I, I don't have, the energy or the interest in defending him for things like this, because like I would be lying if I said, I understood it because I don't. And I don't think that he really does. And I don't think he cares. Mm -hmm. And so if, if again, if he doesn't care, I'm not going to care. I'm just going to move on and go, whatever. It isn't important. (laughs) Dritz isn't interesting enough to spend the time we've spent talking about time on. (laughs) (laughs) Like Dritz himself isn't so compelling of a protagonist that I will want. I feel like this is a valuable use of our time. Speaking of time. Oh, wait. I looked it up. Oh, okay. What's it say? Attende was a Ferunian unit of time. Hold on. There's an ad encroaching. Okay. The calendar of Harptos divided the 30 day months into three blocks of 10 days each, or simply put, 10 days. The word was used interchangeably with the earthly term "week." So, well, it does answering my question. There is still some vagaries in the fact that it could mean ten days. But a ten, ten days is a ten third days, of a month. So, a ten ten days could be probably broken into around seventy cycles, which would be around the same time because it would be seven weeks. Right. Well, ten 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 days is ten weeks. Like you said earlier. But it's used interchangeably with week. But those those are different lengths of time. I understand that. But you know people and how they can be dumb. And over time, which matters, things interchange. Okay. okay. Um, and now we know. Okay. I don't feel like I'm being... Praise is song that I deserve, but fine. I think that the, all you looked up was that you were right about the times you thought they were, and therefore 10 10 days is 10 cycles of 10 days. But also, it's used interchangeably with a week, so it's 70 days. No, 70 cycles. What I also looked up said 10 day was used interchangeably with the Earth term week. But no, no, you, but you missed it. You also looked up and said that 10 days were used to describe the breaking up of months, 30 day periods into three segments, which is 10 days, not I seven. I understand that. No, I'm saying confusingly, it has two definitions that are 10 days and seven days. I don't agree. Hear me out. Okay. What you looked up just said it can be used with the term week. A week is used to describe not just seven days, but a, 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 a specific length of time. So like like a, a specific segment of an amount of days that we call a week. I think what that's saying is instead of seven, they use 10 days for that week, what we would call a week. I don't think so because they, they definitely said earthly term week. Right. Which is seven days. I, I think I, I would just have to say the same thing I said before, which is... Uh, the term week is used to describe a specific length of day, not exclusively seven days. And, and I think s- that's the comparison they're making. And I'm saying watching how language transmutes over time, transmutates, whatever. Uh, language change has all sorts of different definitions where you use a word today. You're like, that's not what that meant 500 years ago. 500 years ago, it meant 10 days. Now we're using it to mean a week. That doesn't make any sense. People are like, that's our language. And I feel like R.A. Salvatore is trying to say the same principle applies to Drow. See, here's what I think. Okay. This is, I think he's basically saying having, like, that it should be set on a, like, a a base, weeks should be set on a base 10 cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's saying seven days is not what he's referencing. That's why he calls them 10 days. It's Mm -hmm. just the 
chunk of a month that is broken into three segments, which we, he, he said we would call a week or they, whoever that you're quoting would basically say is a week. So not as it, not a weekend is in seven days, but a week is in a determinable segment of an amount of days that make up a specific chunk of another larger sum, i.e. a month. So three, 10 days is three weeks, which makes up one month. It has nothing to do with seven days. You're bringing that in. And I think that's incorrect. Yeah. I disagree with that. Fine. I'm already was over it 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> you mean seven minutes ago? I, I literally will just hang up on you if we keep talking about this. Um, because it's that dumb. Um, and it completely insignificant to any other aspect of the book. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? I do not. Okay. Um, the, uh, I don't have any new words. Did you have any new words? No. All right. Well then <laughs> other than the one we've already spent day? way more, too much um, time on. Yeah. Uh, next time we will read chapter six. Now this is going to be, this is going to, you have to, you have to pay attention here because this is a little weird. Okay. We're going to read chapter six through part three. (laughs) I understand. So that's a little lame because we won't actually be reading the first chapter in part three, but we are going to read Dritt's weird little uh, journal entry. Right. So Uh, not reading chapter seven. uh, What? (laughs) Uh, Not reading chapter seven. Well, you definitely are. You're, You're reading chapter six essentially through chapter 11, but there's also a two-page little bit we're also going to read called part three. I see, I see. I see. For whatever reason, I thought it went six, part three. But that wouldn't make sense because they're starting with six. Ten doesn't mean seven. Right. <laughs> Almost got you. <laughs> um, so, what are, we, <laughs> what are we not reading? We're not reading chapter 12. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh you have anything else you want to say i do not all right well that was death readers i'm doug i'm rob thanks for listening thank you if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, podbean or wherever you get your podcasts these reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion follow us on twitter and like our new facebook page for death readers news become a patron at patreon slash death readers and please discuss us extensively on reddit Okay, that's it for the prelude. Okay, uh, I gotta go to the bathroom. What? Outrage. Scandal. I, I hope you're not still connected because, boy, howdy, am I gonna take you to task? I'm not really. That's just rude. But it would be weird if you took me in to the bathroom and, like, had me talking while you were making your... Mr. Tinkles. Not cool, man. <coughs> Excuse me. Rude. Everything's rude. I'm just saying rude. Maybe I'm just a rude dude. Like Rufio. Oh, there was a rude dude. Those spiky hairs. Dante Bosco, man. Oh, he's back. Be cool. <sighs> and that brings us to... Part one. The Hunter. All right. Do you have anything else to say about this chapter? No. Then we should pause here and do the addition edition. Oh, shit. Who's hoisted on their own petard this time? Me. All right. Well, let's get started with the addition edition. Rob, what edition do you have of Exile, book two in the Dritz Warden series? You're not going to not gonna rub my face in it? No, I'm not. I don't have a. I, there's no point in that. You grind grind me into the ground like a like a drow elf would. No, I'm not evil. <laughs> I mean, don't take joy in the the. Subjectively, of you're totally evil. Uh, that's the edition edition. Let's. So then I'll snap clip clip clip. So that brings us to. Oh wait 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 wait. We're we're oh, moving well, well, that well. to the other part of the book. I thought we would move the edition edition to the beginning of the book. Yeah, you got to tell me that, and I won't like be making all kinds of asides and things. I can't read your mind. 
See, but every time I tell you an edit thing, you go, yeah, I know how to edit. So yeah, I was it's, like, it's, it's, it's a zero-sum game for you. Okay. So take that bit. <laughs> and, uh, I know how to edit, thanks. And, and put it, because we <laughs> forgot it, before we do the, the, the prelude. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay.